the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Planted with Sarah Pine. I'm Sarah Pine, your host. And today, all the way from Ontario, Canada, we have Reverend Kelly Addison on the show. She is amazing. She is an author. She is also a podcast host, and she is all about getting together, communing with cannabis, and we're going to talk about her lounge in Ontario as well. Kelly, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here today. Hi, Sarah. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for for asking me to come on. I'm in Canada. You're down south, and I, I guess it's probably a lot warmer down where you are than when we are up here. It It is, and that's why I moved out of Upper Michigan. So I'm a little jealous of you right now because it's freezing out my window, but I'm happy to be with you right oh, now. Oh, man. I, I, you know, after years of being very close to Ontario growing up, I know. I, I feel you, my sister. Yeah. <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> Send me some work. No, it's spring now and happy equinox. And it's so nice we've moved into the spring season. So we're going to get rid of all that snow and just bring the summer on. When do you start getting flowers and blooms and stuff? When does it start for you? Well, I mean, it should have been already because spring was yesterday, but it's like we still have mountains of snow outside of our window. So I'm thinking like it's going to be a few weeks, but we did have zero plus over zero degrees uh, weather today. And I was just thinking in my head, oh, they're not going to know that because I'm Celsius and you're Fahrenheit, but we're about a little bit warm today. We'll just say we're warm. I don't you're know warm. what it is. Fahrenheit, you're above we're freezing. Not we're not 70. We're yeah, we're above freezing. Today. <laughs> hey, I, you know, I remember growing up in the Upper Peninsula when it would hit the 40s, I would start putting my shorts on because I was willing the winter to go away. Okay, so that must be our single digits. So your 40s must be our single digits then. So we're around your 40s today. Probably. I, I have to get better with the Celsius. The rest of the world does it. I should do. We as a country should be doing that. There are more things for my brain to think about than math. Okay, let's I, I have calculators. That's true. It's true. Now, every time I go to Canada, I'm like, kilometers? All right, let's figure this out. Yeah, you have miles too. That's another. T- and you're literally just our neighbor. It's I so know. strange. Happened, right? We we're colonial. That's why. Well, you we're know, but you, you're up with the rest of the world. We're we we stayed behind with our measurements. Yeah, yeah. I like your measurements. Thank I like you. Them. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> country, and I like California where you are because I like your California cannabis. Oh, oh, we do we do have amazing cannabis. That was one of the things that. I remember coming from Michigan and first being here. I lived in the hate when I first moved into to not Michigan to California, and I remember thinking that the weed was more expensive, but you didn't have to smoke as much of it. Oh, that's a good way to put it. I like that. That's true, right? You know, Emerald Triangle, baby, you've got it good down there. Oh, that's it. Have you spent time in the Emerald Triangle? No, but I want to. Oh, I- oh, you have to. You have to come visit me, and we have to go for a ride. And a sesh. And a sesh. Oh, always awesome. a sesh. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll sing too because you sing. I, do. I don't sing, but I like to sing along. <laughs> hey, I'm always I'm always down for for an accompaniment. We can do some harmonies. It'll be good. Yep. <laughs> I will try. You will cover your ears. It'll be great. <laughs> oh no, no judgment. I'm all about the joy of singing. <laughs> so I always like to ask this question of all my guests. What was your first cannabis experience? I was, my goodness, 
young, young, 14, probably like, you know, grade nine kind of kind of deal. And I don't I don't think I remember the first time, but I remember that it was something around that time. And later in life, when I first started Kelly's Green Lounge, I had someone from high school tell me a story about how they had found my high school ID with a bag of weed once. <laughs> and so and, and they loved how I'd ended up in cannabis, because when they had thought of me all throughout their life, they had just put me with weeds. So it was kind of neat how it, it just was always there, Sarah. There was always weed. Yeah. Do you, would you say that you were a precocious child? I was a very bad girl. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what I was. I was on um, every speed dial, um, every school that I went to, my parents' number was on the speed dial of the president, of the um, principal's office. So I was a very, very, very naughty child. I was a very wild, wild girl from very small up until, well, I think that still exists. In me, so. <laughs> Keep that spark alive. But precocious is a nice word. I was, uh, I was cute, but my goodness, what a handful. Well, I, I definitely was a little precocious myself, but I feel like in some ways it's like, you know, and, and for all those of you listening out there, we're not condoning youth access to cannabis, but you know, for those of us who were precocious kids, I think you get a lot of stuff out of your system. Like there's, there's not as much craziness. I mean, there is, but there isn't because you don't go overboard. I think so. And it depends, I guess, how you're brought up, too. I mean, I was brought up where weed wasn't okay, but I have a 15-year-old, and I talk about weed with him all the time. And I talk about how that's our medicine. And I talk about also how when I when he's going out for recreational intoxication, which most teenagers do, he'd rather seek out weed. And I would much rather him seek out weed than alcohol or any of those other bad things that are out there for teens and kids right now. Absolutely. That reminds me of um, a few episodes ago we had the late great David Crosby on and I was able to ask some of the listeners for questions before we did the interview and one of the questions was what's your advice for teenagers about talking to teenagers about cannabis and (laughs) David ever the the blunt and honest he's like tell them the truth tell them the truth so that they know what they're working with. And I think, you know, that's one of the big things with our youth that I know some people are afraid of, but you have to trust teens and give them the facts on things so that they can make educated decisions and not make mistakes that they regret later. He has a cookies hat. He wears to high school. He's the coolest kid because of his cookies hat. They love his cookies. Oh, the cookies blue. I think it's I think it's cool. You know, it's so nice to be able to talk to him about growing and about the different cultivars and the different how it's interacting in the bodies, even though he's 15. I know that sounds so scary, but I'd rather give him this information now than later on when he's going to be greening out because he didn't know about it at a party. Right. So let's lay down that foundation. Good job, David Crosby. Prayers to you. I know. Kidding. Right. What a good guy. Yeah. I mean, I think that having real conversations about, you know, intoxicants and also sex is just really important for kids absolutely yeah um i was gonna ask you now i know cannabis has always been part of your life and a lot of people have that like you know it's a big part of you know they're either for wellness or for kicking back or what have you but what made it that you wanted to incorporate it into your life in such a way because you're like me you're immersed in it you're doing a lot of things around it what what was the turning point where you're like I I want to get into working with weed and the public and I'm just you know what hooked you in Mm. 
Well, I mean, uh, even though it was there, I didn't know it was good for me. I just thought it was something that was around. I worked in my 20s. I worked in radio and broadcasting, and then that segued into working in the music industry. So I was always around musicians. I was always around hippies and partiers, and it was just always there. And I never really thought anything of it. And I didn't even realize that it was illegal in the sense that people were fighting for it. People were losing their lives. And I want to say that because people just assume that I've been doing this as long as the rest of the activists or the advocates. And I have not. I've only been working in this predominantly for about five or six years. There were people that came before me that that really we need to pay tribute to because they did in some cases lose their lives. As Julie Chiarello, someone you love uh, as much as I do, oh, um, said on my show this past week that it's a genocide of people. This um, prohibition is a genocide of people because we lost so many lives in the fight for um, cannabis prohibition to be um, gone. So in that sense, I was not. it was not anything to me. I didn't even understand what are you talking about? Why would it be illegal, right? But in my 30s and, and closer to my 40s, I was a teacher. So when I had my son, I decided I have to leave that music industry. You can't take babies into clubs. So I became a teacher and um, I really had a lot of moms that were talking to me as, as legalization was coming closer in, in Canada. And they were saying, so can you tell me about CBD? What is CBD? I hear, I hear that it's good for me for sleep. Well, And I thought I better learn. So when I started to learn, and I mean learn, like I took university courses, I took online courses, and then I went, what? We have a what? And it's inside us this whole time? An endocannabinoid? I couldn't pronounce it at the time. And end, I, I said in ECS, we have that and they've been lying to us? Where? What? What? And then I realized what happened. I realized what prohibition was and the fight and how this medicine was taken and our plant was taken. And I got mad, Sarah. That's what it was. It got me mad. Um, and I, I knew that with all the people that were coming to me with all these questions and with it being something that was in my life, I had to learn. So I did. And then as I got more information and I learned more, I, I just, that was it. I quit working in, in teaching and education. I sold my house and I opened my business. Like that was it. I was going full in for this because there was so much information that had to be out there for this plant and, and about this plant. And I, what, like, you know, blind and, and we can't hear and we can't see, don't tell us about the plant. Don't give it to the children. Don't give it to this person. And we have to hide it. No, 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 no. If we do that, then that's, what's going to keep the wars around the world. If we make the, the plant free, we will eventually have world peace. I fully believe that. So we got a big job to do, Sarah. Yeah. Yeah, we do. We do. And I think it's wonderful that you're educating your community and beyond because we we need more educators that understand how it works. It's it's something that people don't take into consideration because I don't think we have enough conversations about everything we put in our bodies creates a reaction. Like, you know, we have that brief talk in health class, or at least we did when I was going to school about how alcohol affects you, like, you know, that whole thing where they'd be like, you know, the shot versus the glass of wine versus the glass of beer and how that is. But nobody had the conversations about cannabis. I remember like going through chemo and my first time getting a beverage and, and experimenting with that and getting far too high because nobody talked about milligrams of THC. And now that makes sense. It's like second nature to me. And I wonder why other people don't think about it. But when you think about culturally how we've been set up around it, there's never been any real information about 
how to track what you're using and and how it affects you. And so that does add to the stigma. And with the lounge, now you, how long ago did you start your lounge? Ooh, that was, so it was one year after legalization on the date of legalization. So October 17th, 2018, we legalized. 2019 is when I opened Kelly's Green Lounge. Very cool. And then was it more about community building or education or both? Tell me more about what you do. So it just, I just knew I had to do it. I picked up a little place for $850 a month, including everything. That's what I have to say that because it was a little, it was small and it had two rooms and a bathroom and we made it so beautiful. And it just was for, for that, for, we needed a place. I had been doing pop-up events at different stores and parking lots and people were bringing me in to speak places about this new thing, cannabis. So it just really needed four walls. It needed a brick and mortar. So that's how it came about this little place. Like, I mean, it was like, it. it's how much? Okay, I can do that. I can afford that, right? So all of the um, it, obstacles just sort of went out of the way. And that was it. And, and there was nothing there. And it was just a path that was open. And when it got built, it became that educational place. But it also became that place where it was community. And then it became a church, which is a weird thing. Because I was nothing to do with, well... I'll say this. I used to teach Sunday school when my son was small, and I did believe in the Christian religion back then. It's certainly not something that I believe in or even um, have a lot of respect for these days. We won't get into that. But at this time, I was not thinking I was going to have a church or even anything to do with that. It was all like, what? That's weird to me. But people were coming for spirituality. And then I started to understand what cannabis spirituality really was. And I went, oh, oh, that's really what I believe in. And that's what I know about. And I delve deep into it. I would green myself out so that I could connect to spirit and understand it a little bit more. And at that time, I became an ordained minister of cannabis spirituality. And the lounge sort of transferred into this religious body, almost this spirituality movement. So we had this brick and mortar, which was yes, education and community building, but eventually, and I mean, when, when we're having events, like comedians that said bad words and everything, like it was totally one of those like stoner nights places for a while. But at the same time, it was a place that the community was coming for spirituality and, and connection where we would have like addiction nights, people that would come for therapy, people were coming for medical licenses, anything under the sun was happening in Kelly's Green Lounge. And it just developed into, well, something I wasn't even expecting. Have you heard of the, uh, let's see, what is it? Uh, I think it's Kenamaste Group. Mm, I like that name. It's um, <laughs> it's Chris Conrad. Uh, I believe it's Mickey Norris. And I think that was well, it's a bunch of of California cannabis OGs that that definitely are feeling the same way you are around it being a spiritual experience and I I think it's really a beautiful and interesting thing to delve into it that way especially because we don't get a lot of support and solace in this world we're constantly inundated with so much I I, I think that you know, you'd have so much to talk about with that group as well. I love connecting, you know, everybody. (laughs) And just another reason for me to come to California. Exactly. Exactly. And that you, do you have, um, do you have cannabis sales or is it more of a consumption lounge where people bring their own? I closed the lounge in June of last year. 
I actually closed it so that I could do grander scale events. That little tiny space that was so beautiful, even through COVID, even through the worst of times when we didn't think that we were going to make it, we made it to the end. And then what had happened is Kelly's Green Lounge became the KGL Network. It can't be went from a little tiny thing to a corporation and a not-for-profit oh. with the um, cannabis spirituality movement. So it it got bigger and those little walls weren't going to hold us anymore. So now we started doing Kelly's Green Lounge on a grander scale. And that's something that we do now. And I say we, because I have this beautiful team around me and what it is, is it's popping up at large cannabis conferences and events and putting the lounge there and making big stages with all of the people that are part of our network to be able to do that education or the performances. And we've got a really big one coming up this weekend, actually. Oh, that's cool. What are you doing this weekend? Well, it's the very first one of its kind. It's in Toronto called Can Expo, and it's what we're hoping will be the MJ BizCon of the North. And it's really focused on consumers and just that new to cannabis piece, the, the kind of people like it's not industry focused, which most of our expos and our conferences are when it comes to cannabis, but we've branched out. And what's really neat is the KGL Network and KGL TV, uh, we're curating the whole stage. So we've been given the contract to do all of the things to do with the stage from Friday right up until Sunday. It's been quite an honor to put it together. And I'm really excited to keep, to see it come into fruition this weekend. That's wonderful. You're kind of a story about a successful pivot during the pandemic. It was a, it was a really difficult time and our community missed us. They were coming out all the time and we had to go virtual. So I built a cannabis channel and started going live. I would sit there with people just for hours if they needed it because they were so scared, trapped in their houses. Yeah. And then we started doing like 12 hour telethons on, on 420 and building with um, comedians and performers and people that would just be live with us and pivoting that in person to, I guess, the, the channel, which really, really, really Really grew and who knew it would do that but I guess it took people having to stay in their houses for that to happen well I think a lot of people really needed support from home and just being mm -hmm. able to have that outlet is huge because it's like I joke that during the pandemic I was like oh I'm built for this like I like staying home and and then I realized that I was starting to go a little like getting a little restless getting cabin fever and I thought wow for those, you know, in the community that thrive on inter human interaction, this has got to be so difficult. If I'm bugging out, yeah. they're having a really hard time. So it's wonderful that you have like this programming that it was able to support people. So tell me more about the podcast and also um, the channel and, and, and what's going on with that. So KGL TV just started out, I was doing one or two shows where uh, they were evening talk shows from comedians. I still have one that is in its third year running called The Late Night Sesh. There are four comedians that meet every week in two different provinces, and they're just the greatest stoners. I love them so much, and they're funny, and they have guests on. But then I decided, well, let's put some more programming on there. And we started doing educational programming, roundtables, teaching people about edibles, teaching people about psychedelics, teaching people about mushrooms. Then we started doing things like mental health roundtables. So building more and more and more and more. And then I was like, 
like think maybe I'll do a show about cannabis spirituality where it's like that sort of church service that you, when things went online, the churches went online. So I started doing that and that's now in its second year. And that was to connect with people and teach them about cannabis spirituality because you don't hear that very much in the sort of outside world. So I was trying to spread that out. And then I found a morning show in Alberta, these two wonderful women called um, Blunts and Beans do Lifted Mornings. And then we have another show in the evenings called The Brotherhood of True Heroes. And we have four new shows starting this spring. So what I mean is, is that all of this new content is coming to us all the time from all of these cannabis educators and experts. And we needed sort of that place to put it where people could come all over the world and watch and learn and be part of our network. And that's what KGL TV is. That's so cool. Now, do you, I know you get a lot of people in Canada that follow you because a mutual friend of ours who introduced us told me what a rock star you are. (laughs) What are you seeing as far as interactions with people from around the world? Because it's one of the things that I've noticed is that people from other countries are really curious, but they're not necessarily getting the support they need where they live or the information. And it's so hard because we are the only real, I mean, we've got Uruguay and we've got South Africa and there's some other places that are coming aboard, but I mean, Canada's the really, the only one that's been doing this for a while, right? As a legalized nation, you guys are still federally illegal. I'm so sorry. So to see it happening, I mean, it breaks my heart to see how much our plant is in change worldwide, but it's so nice to see it. Like I have some big business. I can't remember what what they're called. I'm going to look them up. Something, I think Nepal or Thailand, somewhere over there. And they, they are so supportive of me on Instagram and they're, they're cheering and they're screaming. We want that. We want that here. We want that here. And it's so nice to see. I'll share with you one little thing. That's so sad. I have a sister in Scotland, Claire, and um, she's also Ganja Reiki lady. And she's so beautiful. And she is fighting for our plant there where it is so illegal that a police officer pulled her over not too long ago and and arrested her because she smelled like cannabis smelled like cannabis there was nothing else brought her in she's she was pregnant at the time she just has a new baby and she's a 10 year old so these two little girls that and it's a free home hippie home but they are in so much trouble right now because she was arrested for smelling like cannabis. And now it's like, should she have children around her? Should, you know, oh no, it's so, this is happening right now in Scotland. So I will say, yes, I'm seeing beautiful things, but I'm not seeing it fast enough. And I do the news, the cannabis news every Monday morning, and we report on worldwide stories about parents fighting for their kids medicine or people fighting for access so it's not good enough but i'm hoping we're going to get there it's good to have the conversations and let people know that this is still going on because i i think you know people in states where we have and you know in provinces where you have federal legalization of course here we're state by state with our regulations And we can lose sight. We're like, oh, the war is over. You know, people are able to use it. But even in, like here in in the the United States, in states where we have regulated cannabis, we still have people that are incarcerated. And it is, it's very frightening to think that people are, how do I say it? Uh, For some people, the only way they're able to get relief is through the therapeutic use of cannabis, and they run the risk of losing their children. Yes. 
And they and they were the children's with up here. There, it's called the Children's Aid Society. I think you call it the Children's Welfare or Protection somewhere down there. And I have heard stories of of can moms or moms that use cannabis mm-hmm. talking about that how they were checked on by reported on just for using cannabis as their medicine. And this child welfare will come knocking on the door and make them feel uncomfortable about their cannabis use. It happened here in Canada. It doesn't happen so much here anymore because it's legal. But right. I'm so sorry for those parents. That's that's not. This is your medicine. If I didn't have cannabis, I would not be alive. It saves my life every single day, and I know that's the case for millions of others. So true. It's so true. And just thinking about when you look at statistics, and you know, people who may not have a good relationship with alcohol and how that contributes to violence in the home, but we aren't having as many conversations about that as we are about something that if I always, you know, say like, nobody smokes a joint and goes home and beats their kids. No, that's not happening. No. But we no. see, we see violence in the home happening from things that are legal. And it's, and, and I'm one of those people that I wouldn't say, Oh, you know, that needs to be prohibited because I don't believe that. I think that when we get into conversations about prohibition, we open up a whole other box of problems. It goes back to when we were talking about, you know, being truthful to kids about things like euphorics let's have the conversations let's let's really set the stage for expectations and helping people have either better relationships with substances or supporting them and foregoing them all together because they're not good for their body chemistries I always say alcohol is a taker and cannabis is a giver. Alcohol take from my body. No matter what I drink, it's taken something from my body. But cannabis gives back, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does. Like I, I, you know, I won't lie. I like the occasional glass of wine. But by and large, I would prefer if I was unwinding and needed something for that, I would prefer to unwind with cannabis because I don't feel gross the next morning. It's it's the the effects are immediate. They're easy to work with, and you know, I I especially as I start to get older, my mother used to tell me, you know, oh, drinking, you know, it's like it's for women, like your water weight afterwards, and I and you know, feeling hungover when you get older, and when you're younger, you're like, I can take over the world, I can do whatever I want, and then you start getting older, you're like, oh, mom, I I see what you're saying, like I don't need this. (laughs) Me anymore, thank you. No, not so much. I don't judge anybody else's choices on it, but for myself, yeah. not so much. I I just so let's you know, I'm I'm here in the States and I hear bits and pieces from my colleagues in Canada, but we don't really get a good, you know, landscape on what's going on on your side of the border. So tell me, tell me what you're really liking about what's going on. Tell me what you want to see changed. And then I'm adding another one on here for you, Kelly. What are you hopeful yeah. for? What are you excited about in the future with cannabis? You know, the most important factor that we need to state is that we have access to cannabis. I can walk outside of my house. I can walk up the road for 10 minutes and I can have access to medicine right away. And that is more than most people in this world. And I had Steve D'Angelo, the honor of coming to Kelly's Green Lounge before it closed. And I sat down with him across from him and I talked to him about that very thing. And he was saying that he was, he was making sure that we were aware of that as well. Like we have access, that is important. And I 
try to remind my colleagues of that because there are more complaints and negative feelings about our Cannabis Act than there are positive feelings about it. We have to say, yes, it's so exciting that it's here. Is our plant still in chains in Canada? Yes. Is Are we still overly regulated? Oh my goodness. So I'm a founding member, a board member of the Canadian Cannabis Tourism Alliance, and we're sort of that governing body, lobby body of, and I'm terrible with politics, um, for cannabis tourism in our country. And we are hoping to get these regulations changed. There are regulations that we cannot live with. I mean, I think my business would have been so, so much that I could have franchised it almost. It was so successful, but we had regulations that were uh, not allowing us to consume cannabis inside in any way, unless we brought it ourselves. That means that I can't serve you cannabis drinks. I can't serve you cannabis food. It's not even about the smoking by laws. I, I understand them a little bit. Nobody wants to sit in a smoking room. Sure, we need ventilation. But if you can't have that, at least let me have serve some tea or some hot chocolate or something that will, you know, right. some kind of inside consumption. Nope, can't have any of that right now. Our regulations are that our, our hands are tied behind our back and we, you know, we can't really do the things that we want to do. Again, once again, and saying this with balance, we have access, but it's not right. And there are a lot of us that are working for these changes so that we can work, so that our businesses can work. We can't advertise on the radio. We can't advertise in newspapers. That's another thing I've, I've had consulta consultations businesses to help seniors, to help greening out coaching. I can't advertise that anywhere. How is anybody going to find me? So our regulations are a little bit too over-regulated, but the Cannabis Act is up for review. It was up for review a year later than it was supposed to come. The people that they put together for the board for review are not the people that are working in cannabis. They're possibly the people that understand it a little bit more, maybe, than the average person, but they're not the bright people is what I'm trying to say here. And unfortunately, the big guys, the big companies, the big, big cannabis businesses the white men with dollars and cents in their eyes, sorry, but those are the ones that started our cannabis businesses or our cannabis industry here in Canada. Yeah. They've gone bankrupt. Like you see it. They've lost their way. They're, they're gone under. Now, the most terrible thing about that is the people that have lost their jobs. And I, I know people that have moved from city to another city so they can work in cannabis at these big companies. And then they lost their jobs because these big companies, when, when you have when you have dollars and cents in your eyes with the plant, she is not going to let you succeed. She is going to take your money from you. You will not succeed at all. So that's what happened to these big guys. And now, so you said past, present, future kind of was what your question was. <laughs> in now, any way you want to do it. <laughs> the, um, the craft growers are the ones that we are really seeing succeeding. Now we still have our excise taxes. We still have the windows in the stores completely covered. Don't let the children see. It's still really, really regulated, but it's getting a little bit better. We had some things changes. You used to only be able to buy five drinks at a store. Now you can buy 48. They're like $500 for 48 drinks, which is still seriously ridiculous, but better than it was. And we're hoping that by the end of this year, by 2023, that Cannabis Act will be heard. We wrote letters. We had petitions. We did roundtables. We did everything as part of that, that big voice. They were talking about even removing medical cannabis and just having it adult use in the stores. What? Right? So we are having these conversations and hopefully, hopefully by the end of this year, there will be some changes to the regulations. They're saying 2024 is when the review will be announced, whatever the changes will be. So we still have another year. But Sarah, I am hopeful. 
Now, well, for the public to be able to voice their concerns and actually uh, lobby the government in Canada, how does that work? So, well, when they had the Cannabis Act review, they they put it out to the public. They gave us a link. Come online, write your letters, you know, fill out the survey. The survey took about an hour to do. And we all did it. I don't know anybody that didn't fill that out. We were talking about it on the news. So that was how we were able to get our public opinion there. Now, if you really want to make changes, you can join boards like C3 or or the Canadian Cannabis Tourism Alliance and, and be members along with us and add your voice. Because at that point in time, the bigger that we, the more people we have, the bigger we are, the better we have to conquer what it is. I always say it like this. I don't know if you like Marvel or if you like Harry Potter, but I'm, I'm a big geek. And I always think about these big villains, like Thanos is this big Marvel vi- villain. Right. And Right. And Thanos had to be taken down and it took every single Avenger and superhero in the entire Marvel universe to do it. Well, cannabis prohibition and the fact that our our plant is in chains, well, that's Thanos. So all of us have to come together and bring Thanos down. True. True. Is it I now in the United States here, I always talk about voters using their voice because the people that depend on their votes to keep their jobs have a very outdated opinion on what cannabis users look like. And if you spend an afternoon in a dispensary, you'd be surprised because it's people from all walks of life. So when we got into regulated cannabis here in California and it started to get really expensive with excessive packaging and some of the products that people were used to using that were successful for them no longer existed, either due to restrictions with regulations or the fact that the company was not able to survive coming online in the adult use market. And oftentimes they would get mad at the manufacturers, they would get mad at the dispensaries. And that was when I used to have my, my cannabis, my, my Stoner Civics 101 saying, you know, if you want it to change, you have to change the way the regulators are looking at you and the policymakers are looking at you because they have this view of who uses cannabis and it's time to come out of the green closet and say, hey, you know, I pay taxes. I am a contributing member of society. I use cannabis and I vote. Do you feel like there's there's some movement around that in Canada as well? Do you think that there is as much ability for the public besides making public comment to actually have an impact on policy? I really don't know. I can hope so, but I can also say that my country is torn. Most people hate our prime minister. Most people hate, I don't know anybody that favors any government. I know that the voter turnout in the last election was the lowest that hit has ever been in our country. Nobody is happy with any of our politicians as it is. So I I can't say that any difference would make. We need a big change. Now, the current government is the government that legalized our plant. So I'm always going to love Justin. I'm always going to love Mr. Trudeau. I am. And his wife, Sophie, is a big uh, yogi. So I think she had something to do with it. But but people here don't like him. And they, and so when we, if I were to say that to him, you know, you could make changes by voting. They would say, yeah, but look what happened last time when I voted. So <laughs> they've lost faith in their government, Sarah. And pretty much so have I. It's kind of that you got to go grassroots here. And, yeah. um, and I mean, I know I'm, 
blessed to know a lot of people that have had their cases fought in court to change regulations, being able to use edibles, being able to grow at home, you know, so those kinds of things, court cases, nobody wants a court case, but that's sort of how things get done, right? Well, yeah, that's part of the legal process. You know, it's, it's not easy. It can be really intimidating and it can be extraordinarily expensive, which, you know, in some ways brings to mind the fact that our legal systems aren't necessarily there to serve the public. They're there to serve people who have the cash to be able to make things happen, which is a very sad thing. Yeah, it really is. And there's not enough social justice for prohibition. I mean, you at least the U.S. has some wonderful ideals when it comes to social equity programs down there with cannabis. Really, there, there are. I mean, yes, I don't know absolutely. how well they're working out, but they're in place. We don't have that here. We do not have that in Canada. We do not. And what's really sad is that there's this beautiful, beautiful population of Rastafarian people in Toronto. And when we think of cannabis, we think of Rasta. We think of that. It's synonymous with the characters, the, you know, Bob Marley and, you know, they're not getting any respect. They're not getting the um, appreciation that they deserve, not just in Jamaica, but here in Canada for that. And there's a big culture of that. So Social equity and justice for anybody that was affected by prohibition really needs to be on the forefront as well. At least you guys have that stuff. <laughs> we do, that. we do, and I mean, and that's that's one of the things. Like I was just talking to um, Sam Darkangelo from the Cannabis Voter Project, and he was saying that one of the biggest motivators for people to vote for cannabis regulation to have legalization in states is around one social equity. And two, about justice, getting people out of prison, getting sentences and getting expungement and just, you know, the the things to get people back into everyday life with all of the rights that, you know, your everyday citizen has so that they can have productive lives because it's so hard when you have a record to get a job or, you know just i mean being incarcerated it's awful and so we we do have more work going on around that and even though social equity looks different from state to state there are some amazing people out there that are really working hard to change the way you know we look at social equity and looking at some of the models that have worked so i have faith that that these things are going to happen there are some amazing activists out there and i know they get really frustrated when people are like oh it's not working and it's horrible and it's this and that it's like i I don't look at it that way i look at it as it's a work in progress and they're busting their asses to make sure that we have a better landscape for social equity and justice and social justice in general in the States. I think one of the things that's really hard though, when we're looking at social equity, especially like here in California, when I was one of the co-chairs of the task force in San Francisco for legalization before it was passed, we're talking about social equity and how important it is to have those programs in place. But there are all these loopholes for people who may not be who we've really wanted to benefit from it because we can't take into consideration the racial aspect. But then there's also the fact that we have a lot of OG growers up in Humboldt who are also 
victims of the war on drugs, whether they were arrested or not, they were living in constant fear. And a lot of these people have PTSD from their experiences and they're not getting the support that they need as well. So it's it's a really interesting thing. It's It kind of goes along the lines of everything that we're seeing in the world right now around, you know, we're seeing people trying to make woke a bad word, a slur, you know, <laughs> or just the interest in turning BLM into a terrorist organization. It's like the twist that people are having to try to still keep this uneven playing field so that people can't succeed and thrive. But we are, we're working on it. And there are a lot of good things that are coming out of it, but we have a lot of work to do. And I know people get really frustrated and they're like, it's all, you know, they're kind of like throw the baby out with the bathwater. It all sucks. It's all horrible. Nothing's happening in the time that it was supposed to. I knew legalization was a bad idea. We should have just kept doing what we were doing before. And it's like, no, no, no. <laughs> we'll get there yeah we will together we'll get there as long as we keep going and we keep reaching out and keep you know talking to policymakers and getting them to understand why things need to be the way they are like like modes of use there are so there are different states that allow certain modes of use with cannabis but don't allow others and don't thoroughly understand the fact that for everybody to be able to have the option to use it, you need lots of different modes of use because we all react differently to them. And there's yeah. usually one or two different modes of use if you're able to work with phytocannabinoids in your body that work the best for you. Like some people like, don't metabolize edibles. Like every one of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and in, Ca in Canada, you have now you're able to vaporize and smoke cannabis. Um, I a few years ago they put they allowed edibles, which I was excited to hear. What else do you have there now? Suppositories. Oh, Topical. that's awesome! We need to talk about those more. Oh my goodness, they are. I have this beautiful friend who suffers from cervical cancer, and she came up with a formulation to help other women. And I've heard about these success stories: people that suffer from menstrual pain or endometriitis, just that pain. Right? That's a terrible pain. And no, unless you've experienced it, you will not understand. And so to live with that and then to know that cannabis suppositories combat it, it yeah. makes you numb. It helps with that, a relief that these women have not been able to have their whole lives in some cases. So suppositories is a beautiful thing. They now have um, very strange edibles. Quebec is very strange. So every province has different regulations. Quebec does not allow happy, I, I call them happy edibles. So you can't have any brownies or any candy. You can have dried figs or um, I think you can have dried broccoli is what they offer. I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> Why do they throw some prunes in there too while they're at it? <laughs> right. So there was a sneaky thing that was happening with our regulations. So our 10 milligrams of THC is the most you can have in the regulated market, 10 milligrams of 10 of THC in an edible. But these wonderful manufacturers were making gum that were 100 milligrams a package. And they were saying, oh, no, these are just made from extracts. It's not an edible. It's a gum or light lifesavers, lozenges. Anyway, some of these places were, were, were finding that little gray area and their packages were a little bit higher. That's a very silly regulation. But but we have nice edibles now. We have some some people that have those I, 10 milligrams would not do any. I wouldn't even know what was happening if I took 10 milligrams. But there are people that are new to cannabis that are enjoying 
candies and and gummies and and different flavor things and now there's even um hot sauce um guacamole there's like they're they're really adventuring out into the maple syrup i'm trying to think of them all but they're really <laughs> finding very canadian isn't that neat isn't i love that, neat? that i love mm. that infused maple syrup so you get a little bottle and then you know if you only need 10 milligrams that's a nice breakfast for you you can buy a couple more if you need it more so it's it's regulated um one of the things that we're doing on um the expo this weekend is so you think you can cook with cannabis so we have three different days of judges judging like american idol kind of thing but what they had to do was they had to tell us how they how they legally obtained their cannabis and made sure that nothing was over 10 milligrams so edibles and and when we're talking about sort of the future of of cannabis and and where it's going cannabis cuisine those regulations are going to get changed we just had the ontario chamber of commerce kind of yell at the government like this week publicly and say let them open lounges let them have these restaurants so it's going to happen in the next little while and then we're going to see really amazing things happening when it comes to cooking and cannabis and infusions in cannabis and i always say it's really important to differentiate between intoxication and Elevation. So yes. if you've got a chef that's making you feel sick when you leave, like go to sleep or you need a cab home, that chef is not doing infused cooking the right way. You should feel almost like this magical elevation because they know how to make the terpenes and the flavonoids and the cannabinoids work with the food, like right. somehow with, like the way a sommelier would with yeah. wine, right? So they're doing this. So we're feeling like a million bucks when we leave, not that we want to fall asleep. That's the future, I guess, of way it's we love our flour we love our pre-rolls but that's the future of where we're going with cannabis in canada that's for sure i think that's wonderful it's so creative when um when you're looking at the medicinal market is it the same as far as thc levels milligram amounts with edibles yes yes see that's problematic because people who are using it therapeutically they do. There's people that, um, like I know people that battling cancer that that need RSO oil or FICA oil um, that would benefit from 100 or 200 milligram gummies or or, or whatever it is, cake. Um, people that are using it for harm reduction to come off of opiates or, or harder drugs. So absolutely, our medical needs to have these higher milligrams or grow them, grow your own weed and, and make your own stuff at home. And, and that's just as, as wonderful to be able to educate in this country as well. Well, I think it's a great thing to be able to have the opportunity to do it at home, but then how do you know how many milligrams are so that you can actually create a steady, you know, a therapeutic amount yeah. to take all the time? I mean, that's that's the thing that always gets me. I understand that these choices are made because of public safety, but what would be a a stronger flex for public safety would just be having the conversation about how to divide up your edibles if that's too much for you. Right. Right. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. I love that. So Canadian celebrities and cannabis. What are you seeing? I, I've talked to Seth a few times. <laughs> I'm waiting for Ryan Reynolds to put something out because, you know, he's like a mogul with all his things. Yeah. Yeah, I love them. I I don't I don't know any of them. I mean, I know that we've always had Seth uh, supporting us. Um, I don't know any other. We don't. They all left us. They all left our country and went to yours. Like we don't have any Canadian <laughs> cannabis celebrities. I don't, they're all Americans now, um, and that's okay. We want your burner. Send your burner up to us. He all can right. be our. All right. <laughs> I'll let him what know next time I talk to him. No, yeah. just kidding. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, it's always I always find it interesting. It's like I I haven't had uh, Seth Rogen on the show, but I've when he was launching Houseplant, I spoke with him a few times because the um the company that I used to work for was one of the ones that did the launch of Houseplant with him, cool. and it was it it was interesting to see because there are so many celebrity brands here. Um, not all of them do well. Um, a lot of them are white labeling, and I think we even with the best of intentions, they're just not. They're not hitting the market. It's a hard time in weed, especially. Well, you can't hear. That's why you. What's why he left us? You can't. Celebrities can't promote products or have products up here. Oh, We're not allowed. isn't that funny? And we can't have animals or anything that looks attractive on our packaging. So it couldn't be like some bear that's, let's say, Care Bears are going to represent like nothing like that. We're. It has to be boring packaging. So that's why Seth took Houseplant out of Canada. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, he's. I I love the fact that he's one of the few celebrities that's very hands on with what he does because down mm -hmm. to the marketing, down to like the fonts and everything. He he was very hands-on and I had to hand it to him because he wasn't like, I want to do this team, take this project and run with it. He was like very into it, which I thought was really cool. But he it's, it's sculpts his own ashtrays for it or something, right? Isn't that part of what he, like he makes his own clay ashtrays for Houseplant too? He loves it. Yeah, that much. he does, and it totally takes me back. It reminds me of like the seventies ashtrays that yes. you know my family used to have back in the day when people would smoke. Yes. But uh, they're and, and they're uh, th they're beautiful, but they're pricey. Yeah, yep. They're Seth Rogen prices. They're Seth Rogen prices. They are. <laughs> they totally are. Oh, it just cracks me up. But I, I you know, I, when you know, we were talking about celebrities can't endorse products, and they kind of have to be, you know, more on the boring side. It's like I, I just I I get that they don't want it to appeal to children, but there are ways to make things attractive and beautiful that kids aren't interested in. I mean, it's, I think, I really believe that a lot of the things that we're dealing with with cannabis are issues that actually extend beyond cannabis with the way that we look at the world, the way we do business, the way we, we treat people, whether we treat them like adults or we have like this, you know, this institution that feels like nannies are constantly looking over our shoulder telling us what to do. And I think it's something that really needs to change. Ooh, and like you were saying, you're storming. We actually are storming here right now. The warmer, the winds are going crazy. So if you hear a little bit of knocking around, the winds just picked up outside. We're supposed to be getting like 50 mile per hour winds today. I'm actually hearing a delay. I'm thinking that we may lose Wi-Fi soon again. So. Oh, no. Oh, no. Both off at the same time. Well, and we've luckily... Although not, because I could talk to you forever. But we are <laughs> almost to the end of our hour. So we made it through without getting, you know, connectivity you knocked out. Thank you. And I'm really looking forward to having more conversations with you. And for those who want to reach out and, you know, check out your network and your show and all the interesting programming that you're doing, how, how can they follow you online through social media or whatever? Kelly's Green Lounge, that's the brand, or the KGL Network, and our channel is KGL TV Network on YouTube. Awesome. And can they follow you on social media too? Yeah, you can find us on all the socials, the LinkedIn's, the TikToks, and the all of the things that you I do don't TikTok? Really well, I have someone that works with KGL TV that does the TikTok. I don't get, oh, and our puppet. I have a puppet and she has a TikTok. I don't know much about it. Mama Earth. She's <laughs> she's awesome. another story for another day, Sarah. That's <laughs> I awesome. It. I love it. So they, if they want to follow you on social media, they should look for Kelly's Green Lounge. Is that yes, correct? Yes. Awesome. 
Reverend Kelly, my Canadian sister, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a delight, and I just I love what you're doing. It's it takes all of us to educate and create community around cannabis, and and I really thank you for having me on your podcast. That was a great conversation too. So those of you out there who haven't listened to that, tune into that as well. Um, her story. That was the show that you were on. Her, her story. story. I, and I love your episode. Thank you for having me today on the Thank same you. podcast as David Crosby. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for having me. And I can't wait to meet you. We're going to make that happen. It's yeah, going to happen. Very we soon. are going to come down there or you're going to come up here or we'll build a teleporter, whatever we need to do. We'll do it. And we'll sesh. All right, my friend. Awesome. Until next time, Kelly. Thanks so much. Take care. And everyone remember planted is twice a month. And if you like listening, please Give us a review, share it with a friend, let us know what your favorite episodes are. And if you'd like to stay in touch over social media, we are Planted with Sarah Pion on Facebook and Planted with Sarah on Instagram and Twitter. You can also go to our website, www.plantedwithsarah.com, or listen to us on our parent network, Radio Misfits Network, where there are other great podcasts like one of my favorites, the Winemakers Podcast. So check it out. You can listen to Planted wherever you listen to your favorite podcast whether that's pandora spotify amazon google apple stitcher tune in we are there so join us and until next time stay curious stay safe and remember it's a wild world out there be good to one another until next time take care mm-hmm.